So over the last couple of weeks, we've been working through the book of Colossians around the theme of renewal. Remember early in this series, Andrew explained that the renewal of the world happens because of the loving presence of the creator in creation and our renewal in connection to him. Last week, Jerome talked about Paul's explanation of the mystery of God's salvation plan for the renewal, not only of us, but for the whole world, being Christ in us. Jesus Christ in us is the hope of this glorious renewal. And so today we come to this section in Colossians 2, where Paul begins to um, explain the nitty gritty of this big picture of renewal that he's introduced us to in chapter 1. And this is where Paul now starts to unpack the how of this renewal. And here, Paul wants us to confront the question, is Jesus really enough? So just think about this question for a second. Is Jesus enough for your renewal and for the renewal of the whole world? Sure, we might believe that he's enough for our own personal experience of forgiveness, but then live as if that's all that Jesus is about, forgiving our sins so that we can go to heaven when we die. And heaps of us Christians also doubt that Jesus is really all that we need for a better world, a renewed world. We might have our own theories of how this world could be a better place, but I wonder how many of us include Jesus in those ideas, even if we have been living as Christians for ages. Do we really believe that Jesus Christ and his work in dying on the cross and rising from death is really sufficient, is really enough to renew us and the whole world. Last weekend I was reading an article on the ABC News website. It was the day before the tougher restrictions of stage four lockdown were announced. And it was talking about how the way that people were flouting the, the guidelines and the expectations like by, you know, um, not wearing a face mask when they go out, by going out when they shouldn't be, by driving across the state for a Big Mac, how these were a sign that the very fabric of our society has broken down, how there are blatant holes and patches in our social fabric where acts of selfishness directly lead to people's deaths, where individual sense of social responsibility is almost non-existent. And I was thinking about how actually this is kind of the logical outworking of postmodern secular philosophies, aren't they? Postmodernism's greatest thrust is that everyone can hold to their own sense of truth and their own sense of what is right and wrong. These ideas that say that people are free to choose their own meaning and their own sense of morality. And secular humanism is the belief in the human capacity to flourish and determine what is best for us in the world without God and without religion. 
But where people have rejected God and an objective sense of morality, how can morality then be motivated? How can selfishness be reined in but through coercion and control? And isn't that exactly what we're seeing in our city at the moment? A breakdown in our collective moral character to the point where we need tougher restrictions, tougher controls, because we can't willingly lay down our lives for the sake of our friends, much less the stranger. So why am I raising all of this? As much as we as Christians um, might see problems in the world around us and the ideologies at work in the world around us, we also need to recognise that as Christians, we too have also succumbed to the influence of these ideologies. A large proportion of us Christians in the Western world have bought into and absorbed these postmodern secular ways of thinking. To the point where we might even deny an exclusive means of salvation, where we doubt that Jesus really is the only way, the only truth, and the only means of truly living a full life. Where we feel afraid to offend others if we talk about Jesus. Where we feel that it's more spiritually mature to be super sensitive to other people's beliefs and other people's worldviews to not challenge anyone at all about the way that they think about life and its meaning. And so we hide our faith away and keep it to ourselves. We make Christianity all about devotion and loving others, but we leave off the part about proclamation and making disciples. We tell ourselves that our Christianity will be seen through how nice we are, and through our acts of kindness and love. But never think that we need to put the name of Jesus alongside those acts of love. Have we, as Christians in a postmodern, post-Christian context, been taken captive by worldly philosophies? Can you see how easy it is for human wisdom and worldly ideas to erode our confidence in our faith, to erode our confidence in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ to change us and the world. And this is exactly what Paul is warning the church about in this chapter of Colossians. Because if we have let worldly ideas compromise our faith, then we've compromised our spiritual roots. Well, why are roots important? Think about the roots of trees. Roots enable the tree to absorb nourishment and nutrition. They continue to grow deeper and in size to enable and support the growth of the tree above the surface. If the roots are shallow, the tree won't be able to withstand strong winds and storms. Or if the roots are infected by a root disease, the tree will eventually die. Likewise, in our faith, we need the continuing development of our roots in the person of Jesus and in the good news of his work. 
we need to continually apply what his death and resurrection means for us. We need to continue to develop our roots in order to further nourish the outworking of God's renewal in us. And we need to protect our roots, the roots of our faith, from the disease of deceptive human philosophies. Look at what Paul says in verses 6 to 7. He says, So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. A renewed life needs to continue to develop its roots and to continue to strengthen its faith and confidence in the gospel. And then in verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. So Paul is warning believers of the threat of worldly ideas and human philosophies, which actually erode and attack the roots of our faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Paul wants the church to be confidently rooted in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ for the world's renewal. And he highlights three aspects of these roots that we need to be confident about. So I'm going to be talking about these three aspects of the roots of renewal. Firstly, our fullness in Christ, which is strongly connected to the sufficiency of the person of Christ. Secondly, our fellowship with Christ and the sufficiency of the work of Christ. And thirdly, our freedom in Christ, connected to the sufficiency of the victory of Christ. So, point one, our fullness in Christ. Look at verses 9 to 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Just as Paul explained in chapter 1, so he reiterates here again that Jesus is the full embodiment of God. He is fully God. He isn't just a good man from history like a Gandhi figure. <laughs> He's not merely another cosmic idol of the times or an angelic intermediary. But he's the self-revelation of God in human form. He is fully God in human flesh. The body of Jesus the Messiah was the very locus of God's holy presence and saving activity. And so there's a complete sufficiency in the person of Jesus to renew all things, to renew us and the whole world. And in case we haven't got it, Paul spells it out as clear as day. He is the head over every power and authority. He's the master of the multiverse. Jesus is the supreme one over the powers of our secular age, 
over the powers of other religions, over the powers of human wisdom and worldly governments, and over the powers of evil itself. And we are told that we have been brought to fullness in him. We are brought to completion, to fullness in him. Our connection with Jesus means participating in the divine life and the divine power of creation and new creation that is embodied in the person of Jesus. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Secondly, we have fellowship with Christ. Listen to verses 11 to 13. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. So let's quickly unpack this. Paul is talking about the sufficiency of Jesus' work, his death and resurrection, to bring us into union, into fellowship with himself. And he's using these two metaphors of circumcision and baptism. So in a spiritual sense, a spiritual circumcision of our hearts, in our faith in Jesus' death, it's like a cutting off of our sinful nature and it's allowing Jesus to bring within us a newness of life and the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit within us. Using the imagery of baptism helps to explain our sharing in the event of Jesus' death and resurrection. So just as we descend into the waters of baptism, signifying our death with Christ, our death to our dying to our sinful nature. So to rising out of the waters of baptism is a marker of our union with Jesus in his resurrection to newness of life. And it's about us being joined um, and sharing in his very death, his life and his victory. Which leads to Paul's third aspect of these roots of renewal, that of our freedom in Christ. Look at verses 13b to 15. It says, He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So Paul's emphasising the sufficiency of Jesus' victory. He has rescued us from guilt and shame by forgiving us of all of our inadequacies and all of our failures and even everything, every deliberate act of selfishness that has caused hurt and trauma to others. The charges have been cancelled. They've been wiped out. They have no more hold on us. They cannot condemn us anymore. Everything that would seek to condemn us has been nailed 
to the cross. It's been taken away, it's been removed. It has no hold or power over us. Whether that's the shame of our past or the shame that others have forced upon us through abuse or mistreatment. Whether that's the guilt that we hold on to from past or present sin or addiction. Or whether it's the attempts of the world and our society to condemn us for our faith in Jesus. Jesus has liberated us from every power and authority that is not of him by disarming them, by triumphing over them. Every form of evil, whether demonic, political, human or cosmic, has been defeated by Christ so that nothing can oppress or suppress your fullness of life in him. This is the sufficiency of Jesus' victory for us in your full, complete freedom. In Christ, a new world order has become a reality. It has become a reality in you. It has become a reality in the church worldwide, in Jesus' people all around this world. So what does all of this mean for us? I know that God is speaking to us through this passage. Well, if you're someone who sort of holds a Christian faith but it hasn't really been a big part of your identity and your life, maybe it's time to reconsider who Jesus is and what his death and resurrection means. Maybe it's time to invite him into your heart, to ask for him to bring healing and forgiveness, to free you from the things that torment you and oppress you, and to ask him to begin his work of renewal in you, to bring you into wholeness and fullness of life as a person. Maybe it's time to accept his invitation to renewal. And if this is you, I really encourage you um, to connect with us. We want to pray with you and support you in that process. And there are online connect cards available on our website and in the video description um, to this um, message today. So please get in contact with us so that we can support you in this journey that you want to begin, uh, begin with, with God. And if you do consider yourself a Christian, this message shouts to us, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of who Jesus is and what he has done. Be confident in Christ and in his absolute sufficiency to renew you and to renew the whole world. And pay attention to the roots of your faith. Don't neglect the gospel. Don't neglect these roots of renewal. Strengthen them and be aware of the subtle ideologies around us in the world that would seek to 
um, undermine the roots of our faith. And maybe you might also be struggling with knowing the reality of your freedom in Christ. If you feel the struggle against condemnation and guilt over sin, or feel that there's an area of your life where you don't feel that level of freedom that this passage in Colossians is talking about, can I encourage you to meditate on these verses in Colossians, to pray them out with the Lord, to allow his Holy Spirit to minister through these words into your very being so that these words can become appropriated in who you are, so that these words can become a reality in your very being. And please ask for prayer. All of us at St Mark's on staff would love to be praying for you um, in this struggle and you are not alone in these struggles. And our roots take time to grow. They can't suddenly appear strong and deep overnight. It's often an ongoing journey with the Lord. And that's what Paul is about here. Continue to grow and develop your roots. Continue being rooted in him. So, my friends, let me pray for us as we close this time. Jesus, supreme and sufficient Saviour, may we continue to live our lives confident in you. Strengthen and deepen our roots in your absolute sufficiency, in the sufficiency of who you are and what you have done for us and the world. May we know and continue to experience what it means to have fullness in you, fellowship with you and freedom in you for the sake of your work in the world through us. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.